Hi, this is Nathan Owens from the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse in Antigua. Every Tuesday evening at 7.30, we have a live call-in program discussing real-life issues from the Caribbean. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You're listening to That's Truth, a live call-in program with Dr. David Murphy, designed to answer your questions biblically in this confusing culture. Dr. Murphy has over 30 years of counseling and ministry experience here in the Caribbean and is ready to answer your questions according to truth. Good evening and welcome to That's Truth. I'm Nathan Owens. I'm sitting behind the broadcast desk in the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Studios in Antigua. Sitting across the desk from me, as usual, is Pastor Murphy. Good evening, Pastor. Uh, Good evening, Brother Nathan, and good evening to those who might be listening this evening. And remember, we're not just looking for questions. If you have a topic that you would like discussed in a future episode of That's Truth, please let us know. We want this program to be as relevant and as practical as possible for you. So we look forward to hearing your suggested topics. Now, Pastor, before we jump into our topic for tonight, we have a number of questions. The first one is a WhatsApp from St. Martin. It says... Pastor, don't you think that the pandemic is well calculated in order for the highest authorities to get where they want us to be? Consider this quote from Colonel Gaddafi. They will create the viruses themselves and sell you the antidotes. Thereafter, they will pretend to take time to find the solution when they already have it. And for those who recognize the name Colonel Gaddafi but aren't quite sure where to place it, he was the former prime minister of Libya, a military revolutionary who was assassinated in 2011. Pastor, what are your thoughts on that? I I think that this is one of the uh, theories on uh, conspiracy again. And for some reason, uh, it's it's being spewed on the internet. Um, even when they had the, the AIDS virus, it was also reported that it was formulated in a, uh, a laboratory and, and then spread deliberately among um, people. I I don't buy this. I don't um, accept this. I I am not one that. I know that evil is there. There's no question about that. I know that governments do things that are um, deliberately planned, but to suggest that um, this is something that's willfully done um, and then to find a vaccine or whatever, um, I don't don't believe that this is the case. I I sincerely believe that this is something that did happen. I believe it happened in China, and I think it probably out of the laboratory there that they were doing experimentation. All governments... Uh, do experimentation on, on, on different types of um, um, not just chemical warfare but biological warfare and they try to prepare for any eventuality in case uh, there's some kind of an infection so I don't I don't think that this is what is happening here uh, I, I just think that this is something that the, we're facing that could have been avoided 
And I do feel that governments are trying to find a solution to the problem, trying to come up maybe with a vaccine. I don't think that the Chinese got the vaccine already, even though they're the ones that um, allow this to spread so much. And I don't think the Americans have the vaccine as, as, as yet. I think they're really desperate to find a solution to the problem. So I'm not a uh, person who believes in the, these conspiracy theories, et cetera, et cetera. I think even when they had the 9-11, I heard conspiracy that George Bush deliberately uh, uh, where they use rockets or bombs to, to bring down the buildings and, and so on and so forth. And I, I saw a video on it as well. And I was smiling and laughing when I when I said I couldn't believe that uh, people can actually come up with such ridiculous uh, theories. But that is part of the the um, the global uh, attempt um, to sabotage government as well. And not only that, these things sell. And, and and it's a money-making racket when it comes to these kind of matters. So we've got to be very careful on these issues. The only thing I would add to this matter is that the, the media is so one-sided and so distorted and so biased these days that you don't know where to who to believe. And they have added to the confusion because they keep... Um, just advocating one side and defending one side and ignoring the other and they're not looking at the facts any longer they're all emotionally wrapped up um, in politics and this is causing them to lose their objectivity and causing people to distrust the media because anybody with any reason could see clearly through what is happening and I think that this is also not helping the situation um, so we're in a real confused situation, but we need to just hold to the gospel, hold to the Bible, and uh, allow the truth of God to guide us and not to be governed and controlled by public opinion. I'm sure you probably heard the conspiracy theory also that it was a bomb at the Pentagon and that it wasn't actually a plane that crashed into the Pentagon. Yeah, I, I heard that as well. And I, mean, I, I was talking to a soldier who since then has retired, but who was uh, there at the Pentagon after that uh horrible day and I asked him I said what would you say to someone who says it's a conspiracy theory and he looked away and when he looked back his face was very I mean you could see the anguish in his face and he said I was there I saw what happened I saw the wreckage uh-huh. anyway I don't want to go down a conspiracy yeah, yeah, conspiracy yeah, yeah, theory yeah, yeah. Um, there's always I guess that's one thing about freedom everyone is entitled to have their opinion but uh, yeah. it's great to know that we have God's word and that it applies just as much today as it did in uh, the Bible times 2,000 years ago when it was written. Yeah. Uh, time across the Eastern Caribbean is 737. Pastor, we have another WhatsApp question that was just received from Antigua. It says, good night, Pastor. Transliterate is not translate. So the name's Jehovah and Jesus Christ, are they made up names? No, the, the thing that Jehovah is the Hebrew word uh, that is used for uh, Jehovah, but the translation of the Greek, the Greek word for uh, Jehovah is Jesus. So really it's like you're translating one from English to Spanish or English to French. They're not transliterated in the sense that uh, when you translate, translate a word, you, you actually carry over into the language using the same letter forms. But in, in this case, it's just the Hebrew and the Greek word that make them differ. But Jesus means Jehovah in the Greek language, and the word for Jehovah in the Old Testament uh, means Jehovah. So it, it's, it's just that they're translated from one language to another. This is a live call-in program, and you can call and be put live on the air. 
And the phone number is 1-268-462-7420. If you'd rather WhatsApp or text your question or your suggested topic for a future episode, you can contact us at 1-268-782-1454. Broadcasting on 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, online at www.radiolighthouse.org, and also on Facebook. You can go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page, Facebook Live video should pop up, and you can follow us there, and then you can comment your video or comment your question or your suggested topic for a future episode, and it'll get passed along to Pastor Murphy. Pastor, we have a video that was sent in uh, this last week. It's um, put together by Apostle Ubani Kingsley. And I've got a few audio clips out of it that I'm going to share. But a listener was asking for you to help him or help him or her, I'm not sure who it was, uh, to analyze it from the Bible and to consider how much credence should be given to it. So I'm going to start out with that, uh, the introduction of that audio clip. God's final warning by Apostle Ubani Kingsley. I woke up around 2.10 a.m. to have my quiet time. This I was doing reading Romans 8.25 to 39, but concentrating on Romans 8.27, which reads, And he that searches the hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. As I was meditating on the above passage, I started having a feeling that somebody had entered my sitting room, but I didn't turn because I was sure my door was locked. And there was no way somebody would enter my room when the door is locked. But at the time, it was as if I heard my name. I looked at the time and it was 2.57 a.m. by my clock. Then I turned, and to my amazement, I saw three people standing in my room. It was not a dream or a trance. But physically, these three people were wearing white clothes, and two among them were having wings with swords in their hands, and the other person was our master, Jesus Christ. When I saw them, fear gripped me, but Jesus stretched forth his hand and asked me not to be afraid, that they did not come to destroy me, but to prevent the attack the enemy So this video clip is almost 16 minutes long, and I'm going to skip ahead to another section there. Um, And then in this section, uh, he's talking about what some of the message that he claims that Jesus gave him. Expected of Christians to be doing, Jesus asked me, Kingsley, do you know that your house is stinking? And I said, no. Then he said to me, Kingsley, Your house is malodorous. At this moment, I began to check whether I will perceive any bad odor. And when I could not perceive any, I told him that I didn't perceive any bad odor. Then he pointed toward my television and DVD sets and asked me what the meaning was of the bad smell he perceived from that angle. I told him that I didn't know. Then he asked one of the angels to find out what was producing the smell. And the angel went and brought out the following films. And and in this next video, or in the next audio clip out of the video, 
Uh, he's talking specifically about the Holy Spirit. And I want you to listen closely. Pastor's going to comment in just a minute on these audio clips. But I want you to listen closely what he says about the Holy Spirit. Jesus went ahead to tell me that each time I start watching all these worldly things, the Holy Spirit leaves me because he is jealous. He needs my attention all the time. And any time I give my attention to anything that does not glorify God, he feels hurt and leaves me. And in the next audio clip, uh, talking about salvation, and listen closely again. I was supposed to have prayed. Then he asked me what my gain will be if after watching those things, I lose my salvation to Satan. Matthew 16, 25. He asked me to destroy the fields, and I have done just that. Then Jesus asked me to search my house. And one final clip out of the 16-minute video that I'd like to share with you before Pastor uh, shares some thoughts in this. Let me get it right here. All right. My record revealed that my name was not written in the book of life. My situation is like this. I'm somebody that was asked to quit his university education, and I diligently obeyed and have been preaching the gospel only to discover that all these years my file was empty and my name was not found in the book of life. Isn't it strange? It is. Imagine that just because I was not spreading the message the way it should, I was found guilty and was condemned to hellfire. All right. We don't have time to share all 16 minutes of that. But, Pastor, what are your thoughts on this video? I know you listened to the whole thing. Yeah, I, I listened to it about twice uh, last night, um, trying to put my mind around it. And I'll just like to make a few comments. The first thing I, I noticed that he's claiming to be an apostle. That always sends me a red flag because... Uh, the scriptures is very, very clear on this matter that there are no apostles in the sense that you had New Testament apostles today. One of the basic qualifications for an apostle is that he must have had the, a resurrection experience of Jesus Christ. You find that in Acts uh, chapter 1 and 2. And um, I do not know of anybody uh, who has had this experience of uh, seeing the risen Christ but he's claiming to be apostle and then the prophets. So when you read um, Ephesians 2, 3, 2.20 and Ephesians 3.5, we're told that the apostles and the prophets laid the foundation for the church. They had their function. They fulfilled their role of laying the foundation for the church. And now the job of the evangelists, the, the pastors, etc., to, to build on that foundation. So they did their task. They are, that, that was their assignment. Uh, and that period of apostleship and, and prophethood is gone. The other thing is that the, we now have full revelation. The Bible is completed, so you don't need prophets. Anything that God is going to speak to us today, He's going to speak to us through His Word. Uh, he's not going to speak to us through any prophets. No, nothing new to tell the church. God has spoken His message in finality by completing the revelation. The other thing is that um, I noticed that he's talking about Jesus appearing to him and with angels. Let me just say that this is not something new. All the major cults today that have arisen, the founders have used the fact that 
Christ or an angel appear to them. Uh, take take the Mormon movement, for example, mm-hmm. Moroni, and that Christ appeared way back after um, his crucifixion. Uh, the Muslim religion is basically founded because Muhammad claimed that Gabriel uh, dictated to him the 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 book of um, the Quran. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, even the Seventh-day Adventists uh, and their cultic doctrines or investigative judgment, all of this has to do with um, the angels speaking to Ellen G. White and she being taken to heaven. And In other words, what I'm saying to you is that we must not in any way be, be surprised that people make these kind of claims and we must not take these claims as authentic. The biblical basis for receiving a teaching or a doctrine uh, that something is authentic and uh, that you need two or three witnesses. Here's just one person telling you something and you would be gullible and I would be gullible to accept what he's saying on the basis because there's nobody there to witness what, what he's saying. We just take what he's saying. But because of what has happened, and we know that continues to happen, deception is, is happening all around the world. Our Lord warns us in Matthew chapter 24 that the key uh, matter in the final days is going to be deception. Read Matthew chapter 24 and you'll find that four different times he talks about deception and being deceived. And then in Corinthians, Paul warns that Satan can appear as an angel of light. And Paul calls them false apostles in the book of Second Corinthians chapter 12 and following. So I am saying to you that um, his claim to apostleship, the concept that he has an angelic visitation, uh, this is nothing new that, uh, that has not been claimed before. We need to be very, very careful. The other thing I would say is that when you study the later New Testament writings, uh, and they're warning people about uh, th- falsehood and false doctrines. Uh, they always say to them, remember what the apostles said. Not what new apostles are going to say, but use your judgment of what has been written by the apostles as a basis to make your judgment. So we don't look to new apostles to give us information. We judge information by what the apostles wrote because that is God's word and its fullness. So we don't need to hear from him uh, God has already spoken. As a matter of fact, nothing he says in, in this whole video um, surprised me because the message of going and preach the gospel uh, is there. The message that we are urgent, that time is short, is there. It's in the Bible. So he doesn't need to tell the church because God has already spoken to the church this same message about evangelism and about the shortness and brevity of time. The other thing that strikes me in, in this video um that his message uh, caused me some concern. Um, First of all, he's saying that because he did not preach the message the way it should be preached, he was found guilty and condemned to hell. Now, that's not the basis of why we are condemned to hell. We are condemned to hell because we don't put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Uh, later on in the, in the video, he, he also mentioned the Lord told him that anything he had, anybody had given him, he needed to return it. And if he didn't return it, he would be condemned to hell as well, which doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Um, so he's saying that salvation is works-based? Basically, that's what he is indicating, that whether I get to heaven or not is dependent on what I do. The other thing is that later on he's going to say that um, salvation 
is um, very, the standard of salvation is very high. And he talks about three things. It's the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, and the truth of God. And he says, quite frankly, that that's the standard how you get to heaven. That's not the standard by how you get to heaven. The standard by which you get to heaven is you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So when you analyze a lot of what he's saying, while there has, uh, have within it um, a tint of biblical truth, uh, his basis of salvation is basically one of works. Uh, you're doing something. There's no mention about the death of Christ. There's no mention about putting your faith and trust in Christ. That's what I thought his message would have been. But that's not what his message is. The other thing is that he targets three things in the video. Uh, basically, he's saying that if a Christian is watching TV, if a Christian listens to a certain type of music, and then he talks a little bit about dress, that if we uh, are worldly in these areas, quite frankly, that we're going to go to hell. Again, that is work salvation. We go to hell because we rejected Jesus Christ and we have not trusted him. Now, that's not to say that we should not be concerned about worldly living. That's not what we're concerned about. We ought to be concerned about worldly living. But that's not the basis that a person goes to hell if he's a Christian. Um, and then he talks about the Holy Spirit leaving him. The Holy Spirit will never leave a believer. Jesus himself said in John chapter 14 and, and John chapter 16 that the Spirit of God will dwell in you forever. And we are told in the writings of Ephesians that the Holy Spirit is the down payment. And the down payment is that which guarantees the completion of the purchase. But he's given to us as the down payment for the purchase to be completed. So uh, he is actually uh, going outside uh, Orthodox Christianity and he is sounding well and I think in some sense he might mean well but this clearly is a man speaking his mind and I do not in any way um, believe that he had this kind of an encounter. The other thing is this which struck me very he is saying that uh, he said that the Lord appeared to him at 257 yeah. Right, he started his devotion at two ten, so by two fifty seven he's had his devotion forty seven minutes, and then the Lord appeared to him, and the Lord left at four thirty, so almost over an hour and thirty minutes, the Lord has been communicating with him. Now you contrast that with any Old Testament or New Testament appearance of Christ, and he has had more time with the living Christ than Paul, than Peter uh, after the resurrection, uh, any other New Testament writer, and and that should send an alarm an, an alarm light. Even when Paul was in prison in, in uh, 2 T Timothy chapter 4 and about to be beheaded, the Lord appeared to him and said, Paul, be of good comfort. And, uh, you know, that the Lord stood by him. But the idea that he is in the presence of God, of Christ, for an hour and 30 minutes is just mind-boggling to me. Uh, no other person I know living who made that kind of a claim outside what they call the Word of Faith movement. Because if you read Copeland's writings, uh, he would find that he makes uh, claims that the Lord appeared to him and gave him a Bible study. And a lot of his writings are supposed to what that Bible study the Lord had with him. So we're dealing with something that is quite outside the realm of what we know in the New Testament. And uh, I suspect a lot of this is exaggeration. I also suspect that if there is such an appearance that these people are claiming, I think that this is the con artist at work trying to deceive people and uh, creating the confusion that we have today. We must let the Scriptures be the final authority and judge everything by the, the Scriptures. 
And uh, so this gentleman, whoever he is, oh, the other thing, Nathan, is that he said the Lord told him to write this message, and he's supposed to write it in a book, but a book is not supposed to make money, right? <laughs> Why would the Lord tell him that? Because apparently he wrote a book before, and this is now maybe a sequel to what he wrote before. That sends an alarming light. And the other thing that bothers me a little bit is that um, he seems to want you to know that he is an intellectual or that he has made some great sacrifice that uh, is just out of this world, that he was studying to be a university graduate, and somehow he was called, and he left being studying his university, and now he's made this tremendous sacrifice, and he's preaching the gospel. <laughs> That's not a sacrifice, sir. There's no sacrifice to compare with what Christ did for you. And I don't think that you should be boasting that what you've done for him, and trying somehow to elevate yourself in terms of you made this intellectual sacrifice for the kingdom of God's sake. All of these are things that bother me uh, about the about the content what I think that um, if the Lord had really appeared and it would have been about the gospel about, about preaching Christ and redemption and salvation but a lot of what he says at, at crossfire with what the Bible teaches in respect to salvation the Holy Spirit uh, why people go to hell um, and above all as I pointed out uh, in, in this matter um, I do not believe uh, from scripture that anyone can make a claim and prove that they are apostles today so I just do not accept exactly what he's saying here uh, I think he might mean well but I also think that there is some ulterior motive as far as these matters are concerned. But he's quoting Scripture, Pastor, so you're saying that you can quote Scripture and still be wrong? Of course. The devil quoted Scripture in Matthew chapter 4 when he's confronted Christ. It is written, uh, you know, you give his angels charge concerning you, you know, uh, turn these stones into bread. So it's not surprising that he can quote Scripture. And again, go back to every major cult you can think about that started in the 1800s. Every one of those people are making some claim that uh, they had some revelation from God, they had some visitation from God, some angel, etc., etc., but yet their doctrines are crossfire with Scripture. And, and we need to understand that th there's an enemy that is imitating and trying to create confusion produce such deception that people no longer have any ground for, for faith in God. And the greatest way to do that is to create all this mass confusion. And that's why we must always judge these matters by the book. If we surrender the book, surrender the Word of God, and we open the door that they now have new prophets and we got new apostles, we are in a state of total confusion. And I think that's where we're headed, and that's where we are. And when I say we, I'm talking about those people who do not base their faith and their confidence on Scripture as being the infallible, completed Word of God. Pastor, at one point in the video, he mentions that wrong clothes, uh, inappropriate movies, and even inappropriate music harbors demons. Uh, is there any truth to the fact that physical objects can harbor uh, demonic forces? I do know that um, um, objects have been used in fetishes, and also, especially when you go to Africa, I've been told by people who have ministered in that part of the world, uh, some of these objects that people perceive to be some kind of artwork, uh, a lot of those have been involved in, in, in occult practices. Sometimes people bring them into their home, and um, there is the concept of transference. As a matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter, sorry, in the book of Acts, when Paul went to Ephesus, 
and uh, those people that had practiced idolatry and all kinds of occult practices, remember they took all the books and they burned them. I think it was about $50,000 worth in, 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 in that thing. But most people will tell you that when you're dealing with um, uh, demon people, people who demonize or demon-possess, um, a lot of times in order to get full and complete healing, if they have been involved in reading certain books that are dealing with demonic subject, or they've been doing some sort of practice, uh, black magic or white magic, uh, those things normally have to be destroyed uh, in order for uh, to have full deliverance. As long as those things remain in the property, um, there is a stronghold there that, uh, and I'm just speaking from those who have been through this thing and dealt with these kind of um, demons, etc., etc. What surprises me is that. The, 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 the things that he mentions, I am not saying that these are not important for believers to look at. I mean, watch your movies you watch, the way you dress, the kind of music you listen to. But to actually attach uh, demons to these particular things, I, I get a little bit leery about that. Because, you know, the, the, the movies that he mentioned, for example, The Clash of the Titans with Baghdad, The Cruel War, The Delta Force, uh, The Killer Combat, which has to do with wrestling. Um, I don't know these films because I've never watched them myself. But uh, from what I've learned, from what I've heard, that these are really more like uh, war pictures or something of that nature. I, I, I can't conceive that a Christian can't watch a war picture or can't watch a fighting picture. As a matter of fact, I, I sometimes remind people that the whole book of the Old Testament, when it comes to the battle going into to Jericho, uh, really is a, a narrative about warfare and the clash between the good guys and the bad guys, to be very honest with you. So I, I have a problem uh, with that. And then I'm not too sure what he means by the, the clothes. Uh, and one other thing uh, that was point pointed out is that he said that the demons have smells, and each demon have a unique smell. Now, I don't find that anywhere in Scripture, that demons have smell, and each demon have a unique smell, etc., etc. He is now... Adding to Revelation, what God is revealing in His Word, because we're not told, we're told unclean spirits that cause people to want to live immorally, but we're never told anywhere in the Bible where Christ confronted a demon. He said, I can smell a demon. That, that is simply not there. So I think we need to be careful to accept what people say. Pastor, we have a caller here from Antigua who'd like to comment about the video. Go ahead. Thank you for calling. Uh, good night to the panel. Hi, good night. Good night, Pastor Murphy. Good evening, sir. Yes, good night. Good to hear you again. Yes, thank you. Uh, Pastor, I, I was the one that sent the video, and I only listened to it one time. Uh -huh. And I had some concern about it, that I didn't listen to it anymore. But as I am talking about it tonight, I was so happy. Yeah. Uh, this one mentioned some certain things in the video, which of course I really disagree with. Okay. When you're talking about that, everything you do, somebody has to go and ask them to forgiveness and whatever. Well, so repeat that again? Do, I didn't hear that. Repeat that. We are talking about everybody you do wrong. Uh -huh. You're supposed to go and ask them forgiveness. Uh -huh. So what I'm talking about, if you do everybody you do wrong in the world, that you have to go ask them forgiveness. It's about the overseas and you give you on that part of the world. How are you going to find them to ask them forgiveness? Yeah. Which is what I find. I was very troubled at that. Yeah. Well, again, uh, you know, you, the Holy Spirit will bring to your mind uh, when you have offended somebody and you think that you need to solve a problem. But not everybody. I think if we, if we were to spend all our time trying to evaluate every single person we've offended, I'm not too sure how far we would get in doing anything during the day. Because 
<laughs> but I do feel that if the if at some point in time, uh, maybe in a church meeting or reading your Bible and devotions, the Lord brings some person to your mind that you've really done an injustice to, and he and, and I think he can impress upon your heart. You know what? You need to get things right with this person. I think you deal with that on a personal basis. But I I don't uh, I don't think you need to spend hours just trying to go through your mind uh, every person offended because I've offended so many people in life. I'm not sure if I can count them. Uh, but if I feel that uh, if there's something that the Lord leads on my heart in connection with a matter, and He, you know, for whatever reason that I didn't deal with, I will try to deal with that. But. I th- look, these people put you under a work system, uh, basically, and uh, the the faith element is something that we need to keep putting our faith and trust in Christ. That's the key thing, brother. When you and I come to our final moment, the only thing that's going to matter is whether we and I have faith in Christ. Take it from me. All the other things are not going to matter, and uh, we need to be very, very careful that people don't put us on a work mill, <laughs> a treadmill, where we keep uh, trying to perfect ourselves to the point where we want to get into heaven and justify ourselves by our, our good works and our good life. It's our faith and trust in Christ and let the Holy Spirit deal with us on a daily basis on matters and, mm. and move on there with your life. But don't let somebody be your, your conscience for you. The Holy Spirit's job is to take the word and to speak to you individually. And and again, the Bible tell you in First John 5.13 that that you supposed to know that you have eternal life and how we say that God telling all the time he's in the preaching, he never knows he's not he's need to written the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? And we talk about it's about to know that you have saved you. If you're a Christian, it's about to know the whole spirit dwelling with you. Yeah, and that's why I said that the whole thing the, the whole argument that he seems to be putting forward in in the in the video basically is that it goes back to a work salvation. I, I'm watching certain movies that I should not watch. I'm dressing like what I should not, how I should not dress. I'm listening to music I should not listen to. I'm not preaching the gospel as I should. And because of this, I am going to be eternally damned. That is not the basis on which a person is damned. A person's base is damned on the basis that he's rejected Jesus Christ and has not put his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the basis of salvation. And he is now making another standard uh, the base of salvation. So it comes down to the whole concept of I works is basically what he's saying. Uh, he's not using that particular word, but in essence, that's the gist of what he's saying in this video. Yeah, okay, thanks for the uh, And thanks for sending in the video. We really appreciate that. God bless you. You're welcome, man, anytime. God bless. Have, Bye. A, have a great Bye. night. Uh, thank you again for that question. And you may be listening, you may be saying, wow, Pastor Murphy, you have really raked this self-proclaimed apostle over the coals. What is the purpose of your program? And I uh, am sure, Pastor, that your purpose is not to necessarily defame a man, but to compare what someone is saying to Scripture. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. The other thing is, Nathan, is that the, 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 you know, the, the thing that people keep saying that you should not judge the Bible says, quite frankly, that we should be discerning. As a matter of fact, in the book of Hebrews chapter 5, it says one of the evidences that a person is a mature Christian, yeah. that he has the capacity to discern. The Bible tells us, try every spirit. We must not just willy-nilly embrace everything anybody is saying. Uh, we have a right to judge things by Scripture. We're not there to, um, in any way to... Uh, demean a person, but we have a right to uh, make judgment on things a person says. And if that conflicts with Scripture, 
we ought to point that out to those who are listening because our job is to defend the truth and speak in relation to the truth. We're not here to attack people. We're here to attack any doctrine or teaching that is contrary to Scripture and to try to give people a more balance on this matter. It's very encouraging to me that we have God's Word as a basis of truth and we don't just have to base it on our opinion or how we feel on a particular day, but God's Word is our, our foundation through all through all time. Well said, Nathan. And I keep, hope people keep reminding themselves, as I just pointed out, that all of these major cultic movements, behind all of them, there is someone claiming to receive some extra-biblical revelation and this becomes the base of building uh, empire uh, that is contrary uh, to the orthodox teaching of Scripture. We need to be keenly aware of that because it's going to happen again and again and again. And those who are not discerning will fall for the deception. You're listening to That's Truth. The voice that you hear teaching is that of Pastor Dr. David Murphy, the pastor of Grace Baptist Church here in Antigua. We're broadcasting from the island of Antigua, 1160 AM, 92.3 FM, online at www.radiolighthouse.org. And online also for this program on Facebook. Go to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse Facebook page. Go to the Facebook Live video feed, and you can comment your questions, and you can watch behind the scenes what goes on. This is a live interactive program, and there are multiple ways that you can get in contact with us. The first is you can call and be put live on the air. The phone line is available, 1-268-462-7420. I'm going to give that to you again as you get your phone unlocked and get the phone number saved in your contacts. 1-268-462-7420. Maybe you're not one to talk live on the radio. That's not a problem. You can WhatsApp or text your question, or we're not just looking for questions. If you have a topic that you would like discussed here on That's Truth, we would love to hear your input. We want this program to be as relevant and as practical as possible for you. You can send your comment, your question, or your proposed topic to one 782 one four five four. WhatsApp or text one two six eight seven eight two one four five four. Or you can comment your question under the Facebook Live video feed. Uh, time across the Eastern Caribbean and in our studios on this Tuesday evening is eight minutes after eight p.m. Now we are going to launch into our topic for tonight, and it coincides with that video. Uh, that we were just discussing. The topic tonight is the Word of Faith movement or the Prosperity Gospel. Pastor, what is the Word of Faith movement and how is it linked to the Prosperity Gospel? Well, the Word of Faith movement um, basically is a a religious movement that started in the 19th and early 20th century. Um, It has some very unique teachings and doctrines. um, uh, to, to just mention very quickly, uh, they believe that Jesus and his disciples were rich. Uh, <laughs> they believe that to be poor is sin, to be sick is sin, and that faith has some creative power that can shape our world and create uh, reality. Uh, it is actually core identical with the prosperity gospel. Uh, 
Uh, it's just that there's a different label, but they're synonymous terms. So when you talk about the Word of Faith movement, you're actually talking about the prosperity gospel. It's just a different title is used. There are other names as well that uh, describe the same movement. Sometimes you hear about the health and wealth uh, gospel. You hear about name it and claim it theology. All of these are synonymous terms that identify the same movement, but just depending on the particular emphasis that it's given. Uh, so they have the same doctrine, they only come under a different banner, but they're basically uh, the, the core teaching. The key thing about them is that they believe that they discover some kind of a spiritual law that obligates God uh, in a binding transaction where that if you make a positive confession, God has to fulfill whatever you demand. So God is like a, a benevolent genie that you can verbally manipulate because you've discovered this secret spiritual law that binds God to do whatever you says you say. So that is in essence uh what this, this movement is. And um hopefully as we go on and we explain the doctrines of this movement you'll get greater clarity on the matter. Now it's been a while since we discussed a cult. Would you consider this a cult? Um I would I would call it a heretical movement okay. uh, uh, rather than just a cultic movement um, because a lot of the doctrines that are taught are clearly unscriptural and unbiblical um, and I think a lot of it too has a lot of uh, uh, metaphysical doctrine and it also has a lot of New Age movement teaching in it uh, so I think it's, it's really a heretical movement in the sense that it moves away and deviates from biblical doctrine and teach something that's contrary to scripture uh, it it eventually will become cultic, where it forms its own organization, and et cetera, et cetera. But I would more label it a heretical movement at this point in time, because it's not like a massive movement like the Seventh-day Adventists or the Jehovah's Witness, uh, or even the Mormon movement. It's not that large as yet, but it may be headed in that direction. Now, as we discuss these other religious organizations, we often went back to their historical beginnings. So let's do that with this uh, Word of Faith movement or the Prosperity Gospel. How did it get started? Um, the movement really was started by a guy called E.W. Kenyon. Um, he is called the grandfather of the movement because he is the one that developed all of the core theological uh, themes and doctrines. Uh, Kenyon himself was influenced by Phineas Quimbley, uh, who is the father of New Thought. Uh, he incorporated a lot of the ideas from Quimbley into this new Word of Faith movement. Uh, Quimbley, for example, believed that sickness and suffering had its origin in incorrect thinking. So uh, that is also an idea that's carried over into the Word of Faith movement, that you really, your problem is ignorance. You just don't know how much power you have, and that you're, if you discover this law of faith, you can actually speak reality. You can say to yourself, I am not sick, and therefore, because you say I'm not sick, I'm firm and not sick, somehow that magically can heal you. Uh, but that is not something original with uh, Kenyon. This is something that Quimby had talked about. The other thing is that... So are these men still alive? They're no, uh, <laughs> Kenyon is dead. He died in 1948. This so movement. they didn't speak themselves into <laughs> everlasting life? You know, that's, that's the same thing with Christian science, with... Um, um, uh, who the lady who, who Baker Baker uh, uh, Eddie Baker uh, again she often say you should not be sick but she had to wear glasses she always had sicknesses throughout her lifetime I don't know why people are so gullible 
in these areas. But apparently, we, because a person seemed to speak with some kind of religious authority or uh, make some kind of um, spiritual claim, we somehow are not using and exercising our, our, our brain and our minds to judge what is actually happening in the person's life. But getting back to this guy, Phineas, that um, Kenton borrowed a lot of his ideas, he also believed that man could create his own reality through the power of positive affirmation. You've heard of positive yeah. confession. That's, that, yeah. that's not original here. This guy believed that as well. So if I want riches, I can affirm that I am going to be rich. And, I, and uh, somehow my words are powerful. But if they're words of faith... I can create that world of wealth. It's like, it's a form of magic almost um, that is what we're having in the religious world. If you read uh, Hanegraaff's book on the Christianity crisis, if you read uh, David Hunt's book on the seduction of Christianity, you'll find that uh, a lot of this is explained, that we are now living in a magic world uh, where we are almost becoming shamanistic in, in religious circles because we're borrowing all of these ideas and they're being brought into the church. The other thing is the matter of visualization. Mm. Uh, you've probably heard of the guy um, Cho, the largest church in Korea, and he talked about the fourth dimension. But in order to create your reality, you need to visualize it. And uh, it is almost that like you're seeing... If you can perceive it, you can receive it, basically. So you've got to visualize whatever you want. It, it, it's, we're in the magic. It's almost like we're in a fairy tale, uh, you know, Alice in the Wonderland or something. But that's the kind of religion that we're having today. We're going away from biblical truth. And we're now entertaining ideas that are quite contrary to Scripture, alien to Scripture, but somehow it's being pandered uh, and panned into the church. And it's, it's creating some problems for people. And then the matter of affirming or confessing with your, uh, with your mouth will transform the intangible into tangible reality. And we'll talk a little bit more about that as well. So you're talking about uh, the guy Kenyon. Uh, he's the uh, great-grandfather of the movement. From Kenyon, it went to the guy William Bramham. You've probably heard about him, the faith healer, and he had a powerful influence in what is called the Latter Rain Movement, um, where he spearheaded a lot of that movement, and basically it was a new modern healing movement. From then, it went to a guy called Kenneth Hagen. Um, mm. Hagen is often called the, the father of the movement because he is probably the most influential of these people in the modern times that really pushed this movement, a guy called Kenneth Hagen, both in his preaching and his writings. And he borrowed most of his uh, uh, preaching and writing from Kenyon. As a matter of fact, he has plagiarized so much of Kenyon's writings that uh, uh, claim his own that is, you know, if they want to be charged, he could be charged. Um, but he was an evangelist, uh, he was a healer, and he is the one who propelled the movement, and uh, consequently he's called the, the father of the movement. When he died, he handed off his ministry to his son, um, uh, Hagen Jr. And then the other guy that is, uh, should be known historically is a guy called Kenneth Copeland. Uh, he started this movement in 1973. And he's regarded as the second most important teacher in the faith movement, uh, even after Hagen. He started his ministry by memorizing Hagen's messages and preaching Hagen's messages. Um, he is the one that makes such heretical statements that God is the greatest failure of all time. 
He literally says that in his writings, that Satan conquered Jesus on the cross. Mm. He's a guy that also described Jesus in hell as, and I quote, the emaciated, poured out little wormy spirit. That's how he describes Christ. But this is the, the guy that um, is also be very, very prominent in the movement. Other names today that are associated with, with him is uh, Frederick Casey Price, uh, Robert Tilton, uh, Pastor Yogi Cho, you've heard of Morris Carrillo, Benny Hinn, Joel Austin, Joyce Myers. All of these are part of the uh, the Word of Faith movement. So that's in gist of where it started and where it is uh, currently today. Pastor, we had a caller uh, who called the other phone line on the station and was calling from Montserrat where he's listening, just wanted to say thank you for the program. He appreciates the station and many people on the island of Montserrat are listening. Thank you for that word of encouragement. We appreciate it. Uh, we also have a message from Nevis, a question. Uh, good night, Nathan and Pastor Murphy. Pastor Murphy keeps referring to these cultic religions. What will happen to the persons who are part of these religions and genuinely think that they are following the word of God, not knowing the origin of these religions, such as the SDAs or Jehovah's Witness, etc.? Look, I, I would say about the um, Seventh-day Adventists, I really think they're genuine people that are saved in the Seventh-day Adventists. I make no question about that. I, I don't debate that at all. I just think that uh, the emphasis is, is false. When you think of a Seventh-day Adventist, you don't think of Christ, you think of the Sabbath. I think that is that in itself should tell anybody that you've, the, the whole emphasis is skewed. As far as the Jehovah's are concerned, I don't think anybody within that movement can be saved and believe what they believe, that Jesus was an angel, Jesus is not the Son of God. Uh, you know, I, I think that that is teaching that they don't believe in the Trinity, uh, they don't believe in the Holy Spirit as a person. If you don't believe the Holy Spirit as a person, how are you going to be saved? Uh, but I think that, um, look, we kind of had to pay the consequences for our belief system. And it is possible to be deceived. And that is why it's important for a person to get hold of the Word of God. And um, don't just listen to the... Uh, no, no, I would say to you, don't, don't just even listen to me, to be honest with you. Get into the Word. See if what I'm saying aligns with Scripture, right? Um, but there's no question that a lot of people are going to be deceived. Look, you go into the book of Revelation, it talks about the Antichrist that is coming, that the, he's going to have a... Um, a false prophet that's going to direct worship to him. And we're told the whole world will follow the beast and they'll be deceived. Because why? They've rejected the knowledge of the truth. Thessalonians tells us that God is going to send men strong delusion who heard the truth, rejected the truth, and they're not going to be given a second chance. I don't know where this second chance theology comes from, but the Bible makes it quite clear that if we reject the truth, God would give us strong delusionment in that day. So the important thing today is to get into the Word and compare what is being taught by any pastor, any preacher with the Word. In other words, be a Berean. Uh, even when Paul was preaching, the Berean Christians <laughs> were following. The, is this man teaching the correct doctrine? And how did they do that? By taking what Paul was teaching and comparing it with what the Bible was saying. That's the only way to avoid deception. But if a person is deceived, they're going to be damned. What is the truth? What is the one way to, or the exclusive way to have a relationship with Christ? 
The, the Bible makes it quite clear that the only way to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ is to confess your sins, acknowledge the fact that you're lost, you need Jesus Christ as Savior, and willing to put your faith and trust in Him. Uh, he said, he said, no man comes to the Father but through me. Now, I, that is such an exclusive statement. People think it's too dogmatic. But if Jesus Christ is who He claimed to be, the Son of God, He was in the bosom of the Father in all eternity. And uh, the whole salvation transaction is between the Godhead, that the Father would send the Son, the Son would die in the place of humankind for the man's sin, the Holy Spirit would take and apply that doctrine to the heart of the believer. So you've got the entire Trinity involved in this work of redemption. So if you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's the guarantee that you have a, will, will have a right relationship with Him. But it all starts with the confession of your sins and putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That starts a new relationship between us and God because what that does is that that brings about the, that bridges the gap, the alienation that man has, uh, has, uh, has happened as a result of the fall. Man separated from God. The thing that separates man and God is sin. The sin problem is solved. Now God and man can be back together in a relationship. And the other thing about, I need to tell uh, you to understand this, because the, the, the new nature is there, but the old nature is not eradicated, uh, this is why we not only need forgiveness of sin. The Bible says that God takes the righteousness of Christ and imputes it to the believer. I, I don't know if people understand this. Had Christ's righteousness not be imputed to me, a holy God could not deal with me, but he sees me in Christ. He deals with me as he would deal with his son because I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. The Bible called it imputed righteousness. Uh, without that, uh, even though your sins are forgiven, and you still can't, be, because the sin nature is there, you're still with sin. So how can God deal with you on that basis? The only answer is this. He has to position you in Christ and sees you in Christ's righteousness, and he puts Christ's righteousness towards your account. So when he deals with you, he's dealing you as though he's dealing with one as righteous as Christ. That's the biblical doctrine of imputed righteousness. And that's why that's a key belief and a key, a key doctrine. Without that, uh, I do not know if anybody would feel at ease uh, about their standing with God, but when you understand that He puts you in Christ and imputes Christ's righteousness to your account, then it makes sense that God can deal with me even though I still have a sinful nature. Now, once I have that relationship with Jesus Christ, once I've done what Scripture says, does it matter what church I go to? Do I need to be part of a church? Well, if it is important that truth is what will set you free, and it's the truth that will bring you to enlightenment as far as how to be right with God, I would think it would be sensible that once I have discovered the truth, that I find a church that is preaching the truth and preaching the Word of God. Find a church that's a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church. Uh, I do not believe that the Baptists are the only ones that are—so uh, don't think I'm, I'm trying to skew this thing. I do believe that there are churches outside the Baptists that are also teaching the gospel and teaching the gospel truth. And I will say to you that you need to find a good, solid, Bible-believing church and get into one, by the way, that also believes in evangelism and that believes in supporting missions because that's what the church is all about. It's not about worship. Now, worship is part of the whole thing, but that's not the mandate we were given. We are trying to rescue a world that is doomed, a world we are trying to say to the world, escape the wrath of God to come. So we must have a strong evangelistic message, and we must also be concerned about reaching others for Christ, and that is where missions comes in. I don't know if you intended to start out with this theme, but I'm starting to notice a trend throughout all of your answers tonight, and it always goes back to God's Word, uh, whether it's 
how we're critiquing what we're watching, whether it be a video or listening to a preacher or in choosing a church or in choosing life decisions, goes back to what Scripture says. And I, I think, think that's you, very important. I think your analysis is exactly correct. And, and, you know, Nathan, if we don't have a, a final authority, an absolute authority, we are just in a mess of confusion. We have no answers for anybody. We can never say something is right or wrong. We can never say this doctrine is correct, that doctrine is, 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 is right, unless we have a standard. And that's why we must believe in the inerrant, infallible, inspired Word of God. Surrender that, and we've surrendered Christianity. And I think that's where our world is right now, with everything being relative and politicians and not just politicians, even some churches making decisions based on what is popular. As we get back to this topic of the prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, Pastor, can you give us an overview of what some of the organizations or ministries, maybe schools or magazines that are associated with this movement so we can keep our eyes out? Yeah, As I mentioned, it's not quite a denomination as yet, but it is headed in that direction. Uh, they have a group called the International uh, Convention of Faith Ministries. It was founded in 1979. Uh, it's kind of a ministerial association that is based in Arlington, Texas. Not every person that uh, it's a word of faith preacher or ministry belongs to this movement, but a vast majority of those people belong to this organization. Um, it also has a training center called the Reamer Bible Training Center. And this is a school that's operated out of Hagen's Ministries to train preachers and teachers. Uh, so when you hear that word Rima that is being used, understand that this is associated with the Word of Faith movement, and you want, need to be very, very careful. As a matter of fact, I thought of that this week, and I think I know of one particular church that that is what the title of their, their thing is, the Rima Ministries. Mm. And uh, I need to call the pastor myself to make sure that if he's aware um, uh, of that the association with this heretical uh, person who is uh, Hagen and Copeland and all these other guys, so I'm not too sure if it's associated there, but the fact it's using the same word, Rima, um, is, is something that makes me think about that. And then the, they have a publishing house, uh, and the leading publishing house is called Faith Library uh, Publications, and the two magazines that are very popular within the movement is Hagen's The Word of Faith and Copeland's Believer's Voice of Victory. Um, so the organization, the training center, the publishing house, and uh, these magazines basically is what um, are things associated with it. Of course, ministries today like Alstein's ministry, uh, you've probably heard of, uh, mentioned Copeland already, Price, uh, Joyce Meyer, all of these are part of the movement. These are the, the, the current voices that you're hearing. Uh, even uh, T.D. Jakes, is part of this movement as well. Mm -hmm. T.J. Jakes, as you know, doesn't believe in the Trinity. He yeah. believes in what they call modalism. Uh, but he's one of, the, one of the popular people that you hear on the radio, on uh, television. But uh, people need to be aware of what these people are teaching. Pastor, how would you respond to the individual who says, Pastor Murphy, you're just criticizing these men or these women because they are more successful, they have larger churches than you do? Well, I, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know that's a fair statement because I'm not jealous of their TV ministry. I don't even like television, to be very honest. I don't like exposure. You would know that, Nathan. Uh, so uh, that, that, that certainly is not a factor here. What I think is important is that we have to understand that our job as pastors 
is to preach the truth and teach the truth. And if we see that a person or a movement is deviating from that truth, we have to sound the alarm. Uh, the Lord warns us that that is part of our duty. If you read Paul's writings, in, especially in the book of Timothy and Peter, uh, clearly Paul was sounding the alarm that times are coming when you're going to be have this deception, false prophets are going to rise, this is what they're going to teach. And Paul is making us aware of what is going to come to pass so that when it comes to pass, we can draw attention to God's people and make them and sound the alarm that they need to be careful and watchful on these matters. So I, I have no beef with people who, um, out of jealousy, to be very honest with you, uh, I, I my main concern is is there what they're teaching is in harmony with Scripture. And when I see um, there is this massive mega ministry, and I see so many people being let down the wrong track. For example, I, I, I don't normally listen to these guys, but I've where I've heard uh, the preaching, I've never once heard them talk about hell. Hmm. I don't hear them talk about repentance. Uh, they, don't, they don't never give a clear gospel presentation. Uh, it is always about something about health or wealth or sowing a seed. It's always about your your tomorrow and uh, your better life to come uh, down here. It has nothing to do. In other words, the eternal dimension is almost lost because the focus of the here and now. And it's always about getting more, etc., uh, etc. Et I think it's a religion of greed, to be very honest with you. And it's become mercenary. And uh, people who have this success mentality find this religion attractive. Uh, but I, I, the motive, Nathan, is, is never <laughs> uh, because uh, the person is more successful or they've got a mega church and so on and so forth. That's never, the, that's never the, been the motive. The motive is to judge what they're teaching in line with Scripture. And if I think that they're leading people astray in a particular line, to song the alarm. And that's my job as a pastor, basically. You're listening to the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. We're broadcasting from Antigua. The time across the Eastern Caribbean and on this Tuesday evening is 8.31. Pastor, we have a Facebook message from Nevis. Pastor Murphy, in your opinion, is the doctrine of the Wesleyan Holiness Church correct? Where the Western Holiness Church differ, we would differ with them. And this is goes through between the Arminian and Calvinism, basically. And let me explain what that really is. The, 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 the Calvinist group, uh, when I say Calvinist, I don't mean ultra-Calvinist group, but those that fall within the, 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 uh, the Calvinist group who believe in the atonement, who believe in the sovereignty of God, etc., etc., um, they believe in eternal security, basically. The difference between us and the Western Church centers around the whole question of eternal security. Uh, John Wesley wrote a book called uh, Perfection, and John Wesley uh, really uh, is a person who believes you could be saved and lost. Uh, that is where we would differ with him. We believe in something called eternal security. But generally speaking, the, the Wesleyan Church, in my judgment, uh, and my view on, on their, their doctrine, etc., they generally are fairly solid in what they teach, with the exception of the eternal security. Now, I haven't uh, done an exhaustive study of the Western movement, but that is the main uh, problem we would have with them, the save and loss concept, etc., etc. And I think that Wesley's teaching was based on the fact that he kind of misunderstood uh, John's epistles, where John said, he that is born of God does not sin. Now, again, 
so he advocated sinless perfection. And, uh, and, and uh, But again, if you understand John's writing, is he that habitually sins is not born of God. And what John is saying, that a believer should not habitually practice sin. Uh, so it's not that a believer cannot sin. As a matter of fact, John earlier says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But what John is warning about is a person who professed to know faith and trust in Christ and who habitually continues to live as they were before without any transformation. John warns that that, that, that profession is suspect. But that's the main thing with the, the Wesleyan church, uh, to my knowledge. And, you know, if John Wesley was alive today, he could preach in my church. Be honest with you. I honestly, if Spurgeon was alive today, he could preach at my church. Spurgeon was a Calvinist, he could preach at my church. These are men of God uh, who held to particular doctrines very strongly. As a matter of fact, um, the Wesleys and um, Whitfield. Separated over the doctrine of eternal security and about the sovereignty of God, yeah. Wesley believed that um, same and loss you could be lost. Um, Whitfield believed a man is eternally saved, but and that caused the totally to split. And over 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 centuries, this has been totally polarizing doctrines. If you're Arminian, it means that you can be saved and you can be lost. If you're Calvinist, once you're saved, you're saved forever. And these things have never been resolved. They continue to be the dog, the church, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And uh, there are arguments that if you read the Calvinist position, uh, you become convinced. You, you read the other position as well. Uh, it creates questions in your mind. But the, the thing about it is that we are all clear on the matter of salvation, that a person is saved by putting their faith and trust in Christ and repenting of their sins. Uh, but that is what I would say about the, the, the Wesleyan Church. Um, I... Particularly, if I had to, I wouldn't tell somebody just leave the Western Church. I, I see that they're preaching the gospel. Um, they're very much in line with what we we believe in. Uh, they might differ on certain minor things, but I don't see it as an apostate church at all. I see it as a good church. It's just they need to get back to evangelism and get back to the Word of God. Just like the Methodist Church. Um, you know, the Methodist Church is a good church, or used to be a good church, uh, and now it has lost its evangelistic focus. And who would believe uh, that John Wesley, hmm. uh, the movement he started, was so concerned about evangelizing, he himself was an evangelist, yet it has lost its, 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 its zeal and its power, and pretty much, um, must say, has become more of a social gathering of believers without any passion for uh, carrying the gospel. You're listening to That's Truth, and we would love to answer your questions from Scripture. You can call and be put live on the air, 1-268-462-7420. You can WhatsApp or text your question to 1-268-782-1454. Time across the Eastern Caribbean on this Tuesday evening is 8.35. Pastor, we have a WhatsApp question from Antigua. It says, good night. Being in a relationship with God, Jesus and the Holy Spirit plays a role in the salvation of men. They are the Trinity. Are they an agent? Sorry, that question comes from St. Martin. Read it again. Yeah. been in a relationship with God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit plays a role in the salvation of men. Are they the Trinity? Are they an agent? I am trying to decipher uh, the precise meaning of what is said there. I, 
I would say to the person, I'm just trying to uh, find out what, you, what you're saying. You, you, your expression is ca- causing a little bit of confusion to me. Maybe I'm not um, understanding exactly what you worded. I would say to you that it is very, very clear that the entire Trinity is involved in the salvation of humankind. And the Father planned this whole matter of salvation. The Son, uh, he executed that plan when he came and he died for our sins and he died in our place. The Holy Spirit's job is to apply that salvation to the individual. His job now is to convict the world of sin and the judgment of righteousness. And uh, that is explained in the scripture. So each person is involved in salvation and the agent that is now currently involved in this whole process is the Holy Spirit. The Father and the Son, they've done their job. Now the, the Holy Spirit's job is while in this dispensation, he's bringing men to faith and trust in Christ. Uh, even the, Paul wrote in Corinthians that the natural man understandeth not the things of the Spirit of God uh, because they are spiritually discerned. And then he goes on to say, but God has given to us his Spirit. So even for the believer to understand Scripture, there has to be the Holy Spirit indwelling the believer to bring the understanding of Scripture to the believer's mind. And if a person is going to be saved, there must be the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. That's why, by the way, uh, I think a question came last week about the uh, the unpardonable sin. And Christ made it very clear that, you know, if a person sinned against the Holy Spirit, it, it will not be pardoned in his life, not a life to come, because the Holy Spirit is the agent of redemption. He's the one that must bring conviction. And if we blaspheme him, uh, the Bible warns us that his role in convicting is not going to take place in our life. So that is why it's important for us to understand that the entire Trinity is involved in redemption and the Holy Spirit's job today is to convict us of three things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. Uh, Sin, because of our unbelief in Christ, uh, righteousness, that we need righteousness, that we don't have any righteousness ourselves, that we need uh, righteousness from Christ. And of course, if we reject the righteousness of Christ and we don't deal with the sin question, that judgment is going to come because God has said to us very, very clearly that a day of accountability is coming and the man or woman outside of Jesus Christ who have now to put their faith and trust in him is going to be damned, eternally damned. So that's the Holy Spirit's job. WhatsApp message from St. Martin. Dear Pastor, when you are teaching truth, do you teach all of God's commandments just as they are stated in the Bible? Again, I'm not too sure what that, how it means that, you know, you've got to understand that you're dealing with different dispensations. For example, the, 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 the commands and the laws that you find in the Old Testament, uh, some of those are no longer relevant. For example, you couldn't wear clothes with wool and uh, silk or anything together. You couldn't plant uh, certain seeds in your garden with certain seeds, etc., etc. Clearly, you have to decide, decipher what is relevant today and what is applicable today. When it comes to the dietary laws, the ceremonial laws, and the uh, the rituals, etc., etc., clearly, we can't teach those as commands. Of but there may be principles in those particular things that, for example... 
um, you, you couldn't eat certain things because God was trying to a clear separation between the clean and the unclean. Same thing with garments, etc., etc. Everything that happened in the Old Testament with Israel was to teach Israel in a not only a pictorial form but in a literal form that God demanded separation. That was the principle that Israel had to learn. So God had had these strict rules of separation to ingrain in the people's mind that He's a holy God and they ought to be separate. Uh, today, I don't think of anybody would would say that you can't plant corn and beans together. Uh, <laughs> you know, so I think it depends, uh, and you got to understand which which truth is uh, relevant and which is not, because not everything that is in the Old Testament is relevant today. Uh, I think that you need to make that uh, to decipher that. So I would say to the person, it, it, it depends. Take the matter of the Sabbath if the person is, is dealing with that. If I'm teaching on the Sabbath, I would say that that was clearly a rest- uh, demand in the Old Testament. But when it comes to the New Testament, I would say to the, to the person that, no, we don't worship on the Sabbath. We now worship on, on, on the Lord's Day. Why do we worship on the Lord's Day? Well, several reasons. You can go through the book of Acts and you'll find that uh, they met together on the first day. Uh, you'll find that the orphan was collected on the first day. Uh, you'll find that every appearance of Jesus Christ after his resurrection was on the first day of the week. Uh, you'll find that in the epistles, uh, Paul said that when you come together on the first day of the week, and then when you follow church history, from the very first century, I can quote, quote after quote, that the believers met to celebrate the Lord's resurrection. Uh, that is why we 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 uh, we obs- and then the other thing, of course, is that there's no command anywhere in the New Testament that commands us to observe the Sabbath, right? So we understand that the law, if you look read Second Corinthians chapter three, the law is no longer uh, a standard by which the believer lives. Uh, the Bible makes that very very clear. We're now under a new covenant, and what's the new covenant? That God has written His Word in our hearts. So we're not we're not legalists. Uh, we now live depending on the Holy Spirit at the Word of God. Uh, he teach, brings the Word of God to our minds and our understanding. I would say that's uh, one of the differentiations that we would make. Um, the the you know again there are a lot of commands in the Bible in the uh, given to Israel. I believe that God has a plan for Israel, and a lot of those commands and a lot of those promises that were made, a lot of the prophecies made in the Old Testament with Israel are going to be fulfilled after the church is raptured. So again, it has to do with drawing lines between what is applicable in this current dispensation, what pertain to the old dispensation, and then after the church, you've got another dispensation it's called the dispensation of tribulation. How does that apply uh, the, the Old Testament applies. So a lot has to do with making a distinction between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. Pastor, I have a WhatsApp question here from Antigua. I may be missing a word or two, but I'm going to read it as it is, and we'll see if we can figure it out. It says, Good night. Is not beloved son? God do not begot sons. God does not begot sons. Well, the Bible said that we've been begotten of God. You find that in the book of First Peter. I think it's chapter 2. So I'm not too sure you can make a statement like that when the Bible actually says that God, we've begotten of God. Um, so I'm not too sure why a person would say that. Uh, I suspect this may be, um, may be saying that the fact that Jesus said to be begotten, that maybe uh, this person doesn't believe in the Trinity. I, I would suspect that that's where it's coming from. But until I have further information, uh, of exactly how it's worded, I am um, not too sure what what they're trying to say because clearly we are begotten of God. 
Okay. All right. Um, another WhatsApp question from Antigua. It says, good night. How do we answer the people who say that we call Jesus' name wrong? From my knowledge, Jesus is the English translation. Seems like there is a rise of people who take this thing very serious, just as serious as salvation. I haven't come across um, that kind of a comment before. I haven't met anybody who think that we, we're using the wrong name for Jesus. Um, Jesus, uh, that's the, the, uh, the Greek pr- pronunciation. So I'm not too sure what, you know, it's just like people making a big thing about Yahweh. You probably heard the Yahweh movement that the only name for Jehovah is Yahweh. And um, that is now a whole new movement altogether. It's a new denomination to be on. And everything is based on Yahweh. Is that Jehovah's Witness? Everything is based on the inner Jehovah, yeah. right? So I'm not too sure if this is a new movement that's going to arise, uh, uh, making a, a mountain of a molehill that we've, you know. So for you're telling me for uh, all 2,000 years of church history, all through the years, all the great men like Spurgeon and Moody and Finney and all of those guys uh, that used the name Jesus, oh, they were wrong? That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, I am very, very sure that God has preserved a remnant throughout all the ages. I have no question about that. And uh, so I am not too sure what this new movement is and why they're saying that um, we protect the word Jesus, and this. By the way, you know, if you went to if you went to um, to Spain or you went to France, and you hear the French name for God, what are we gonna do now? Uh, are the ones Spanish? What are we what are we gonna do? It's not the same same name. If we went to the Chinese, what's the Chinese name for God? I'm not too too sure. So, is there some particular way that we're supposed to? I mean, you end up in total confusion. How do you translate from one language to another? And then when you go to all these. Um, thousands of tribes are you going to give them one particular name or you try the word God uh, in these tribes may not be the word God that would be used in English so so you're creating a massive problem now and all these people who have done translation of all these different groups for all these years they've done something wrong except I mean let people astray I can't I can't embrace that I just think that is nonsense and I think it is a storm in a teapot And a question number two from this listener in Antigua. They say that one must be baptized in order to be saved. Aren't we baptized because we're already saved? Yeah, that is the Church of Christ in particular. Uh, They're the ones that push this particular thing, that unless you're baptized, uh, you're not saved. I I can put an end to that very, very quickly. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul knowing that a person had to be baptized to be saved, saying, I thank God I did not baptize you? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> no, you you read Corinthians. Paul said that, you know. Except I baptize you, how do let's just think that I, Paul, the one that died for you, yeah. right? Never thought so, of that. So I mean, I mean, it's totally ridiculous. Um, so a person is baptized after a person has put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's not that the baptism saves you. You go down a wet sinner, you oh, dry to become a wet sinner. It has nothing to do with the matter of the salvation being a problem. This goes back to the whole question. Jews had that a person became uh, a spiritual Jew by being circumcised and there are Jews that were circumcised that were not not, not believers you read Paul's writings and this was the Judaizers who insisted that uh, believers be circumcised and keep the law of Moses 
A person is saved and saved by faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. The greatest exposition on this matter of the doctrine of salvation is found in, in Romans chapter 3 and 4. Anyone can read that very, very clearly, and Paul explains in detail this is how a person is saved. They're saved by faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Now, after you're saved, you then get baptized, and your baptism is a public proclamation to the people around you and in the world that I have put my faith and trust in Christ, and when you go down into the water and bury with Him, in baptism, I'm raised in newness of life. So it's actually a public profession of the inward change that has taken place in your life as a result of putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But baptism saves nobody. And it, that, by the way, that's what led people to in, uh, baptizing infants. Right? There's no biblical base for baptizing infants. But we're told that when you get baptized as an infant, you have your original sin washed away. Uh, that is heretical. It's misleading, and there are lots of people who are depending upon the fact that when they were baby, they got baptized, and they will discover to the dismay that this doesn't get you into heaven because you must put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone. Another question from a listener, Pastor. Is it possible that a believer express attitudes during this COVID-19 pandemic that hurt the name of Christ? Can we be doing more harm than good by standing up for our rights? I, I think that's possible for anything that happened that we can uh, display a wrong attitude. Uh, I, I don't have any doubt about that. We can be too complaining uh, to get irritated other people who are trying to adjust, and we just exacerbate the problem. Uh, you know, we can be frustrated in an enclosed environment. We're accustomed to be doing so many things, and we, 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 we get uh, all pent up, and then we let loose. Uh, these emotions and by the way you know it might not be too bad living with people for two hours a day but when you're there now for almost a whole month you see some things that you probably didn't see before that might even irritate you uh, this is a time uh, that we are going to uh, for some people it's a time of severe trial for other people it's a time of getting to know the family more and spend some time with the family and, and by the way it's a time to get a lot of things that you neglected for years etc so it's beneficial but I think we need to be very very careful that we don't have a poisonous tongue and we say a lot of negative things that uh, convey the wrong message to other people. Uh, and I don't think we ought to be reckless, by the way. Uh, I do feel that we should practice social distancing if they, they think that's the thing that we should do. The medical people think we should. Uh, if they think that we should wear masks, I do think we should. I don't like wearing masks, I must tell you. But again, I, I'm, I'm going to fall in line with it. Uh, until they've come up with some reasonable solution to the problem. And I don't want to put other people's life in jeopardy that uh, I am so foolish and so reckless that I don't care about what the other person, I can affect the other person, etc. So, uh, and I don't think the government is doing these things deliberately to make people, uh, get people irritable. I do think that they're trying to follow what they think is the medical advice that is given the best medical advice, and I think we ought to cooperate in this matter and watch our testimony. Everything we do uh, can carry the wrong message and can turn people off. So let's make sure that we don't allow our speech to be poisonous or to be negative, uh, that people uh, think that we are sourpuss or that we, we just um, have a bad spirit. Let us make sure that uh, we keep our spirits and be thankful to the Lord and dwell on those things that are blessings in our lives and not just be caught up with this whole thing that we become so gloomy and so morose 
and, and so melancholy. A WhatsApp message from Ian Guilla. Good evening, Pastor. In 2012, T.D. Jakes said he embraced the doctrine of the Trinity, but still feels comfortable with those who don't. Does that make sense to you? Look, I don't think that anybody who knows church history from the very, very, uh, the whole history of church, of the church, I don't the orthodox church, the remnant church, uh, the Trinity is a doctrine that is not negotiable. Uh, if you don't believe in the Trinity, number one, you can't have eternal love. You, there'll have to be at least two people to have love. Hmm. So if you're talking about anything, eternal God, eternal love, they must have eternally existed. I mean, uh, this guy, Francis Schaeffer, in one of his writings, uh, I think it's the God who is there, um, he made that point very, very clearly that it makes sense to talk about eternal life, that you've got eternal beings. <laughs> so I think that's a cop-out for uh, T.D. Jakes. I, I don't... Uh, and by the way, his modalistic teaching is that the Father became the Son and the Father became the Holy Spirit. So the Son and the Father, the Son and the, and the Holy Spirit is the same as the Father. <laughs> That's not biblical doctrine, okay? Uh, so you have at Christ's baptism, the Father speaking, but the Father is still the Son. And then the Holy Spirit comes and still the Father. You, <laughs> I mean, you create more problems when you doubt the Trinity yeah. uh, than you solve problems. Now, I know it's a great mystery, I must admit to you, but I, 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 I kind of I like it that way because God is nothing that we can comprehend. Amen. He's infinite, okay? If I can wrap my mind around God and I can explain everything about God, uh, I would be very fearful that my God is pretty much down to my level. But I can conceive that oh, this being that created all that is, that we know, and created humankind. Just, you know, if you had to spend some time and look at yourself in the mirror and think about yourself and uh, what the organs in your body and how they operate, etc., this is a miracle of miracles. This is a God with such wisdom that is infinite. And because He's infinite, nothing I can conceive can ever solve the problem of how He could be and what He's like. He's just beyond my fallible mind. And that's why I'm at ease with the Trinity, because every other religion tries to bring God to a level where you can put God in a package and explain Him in every detail so you don't have these issues, that intention. To me, the mystery of God is that we keep this tension, and He's far beyond us. So I think uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, to make that kind of a statement, I think is, is not helping anybody. And he's not leading people in the direction of truth. If you already have embraced the truth and believed the truth, you should not be at all at ease with somebody who has rejected the truth and, and dilly-dallying around the truth because it is part of the great doctrines of the Bible. I mean, there's some non-negotiables, the Trinity, and the deity of Christ, the virgin birth, the atonement of Christ, his second coming, uh, the doctrine of hell. These are things that we can't negotiate. And these are things we stand, it's called the fundamentals. And when we deviate from that, we go down a heretical line. So I have a, uh, I feel very, um, I think T.D. Jakes doesn't do himself a favor uh, to at the same time hold to a position where he's now come to and then saying he doesn't have, pro he doesn't have a problem with people who believe, uh, doesn't believe in the Trinity. Uh, if you don't believe in the Trinity, I don't know how salvation is going to be possible because the Holy Spirit is supposed to convict you of sin, right? And uh, if you don't believe in the Son and that He is God, I don't know how His atoning blood would ever be able to satisfy all the sins of the world. 
uh, I just don't know how that would be possible. And, and how then, could the son be separated from the father at Calvary? Right. And the other thing is, if he is not God, what righteousness he ever has that can ever satisfy a holy God, uh, etc. Mm-hmm. So, you create more problems by the denial of the Trinity than you solve problems. And I think Jakes is making a massive mistake. And I, I can't endorse uh, his position on this matter. Pastor, one more question from a listener. Dear Pastor, do you believe in the creation? I'm appalled that you would ask that question. Uh, if you didn't believe in creation, uh, you, let's get rid of the book. Let's get rid of churches. Uh, there is no such Let's get, there's, there's nothing to fear. There's no afterlife. There's there's no accountability before any God. There's <laughs> another eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we shall die. There's no purpose in life. There's no meaning in life. Listen, once you get rid of God, all you have ended is man. And uh, there's no eternity. Uh, I am just living, realizing that I'm going to die. Uh, but in my bones, in my very being, I know one thing. Death is not for me. And what I mean by that, I know that I am going to exist someplace after this life. I'm conscious that life is more than what is. Nothing makes sense. And by the way, how can you have justice in the future? How can a man kill six million people and there's no significance to that? He's not going to be held accountable for that? I thought Hitler, of course. Right? Yeah. Uh, how about the great atrocities that be committed? Uh, in life, what are people who suffered for Christ and endured uh, carrying the gospel message? Oh man, when you when you surrender creation, you surrender everything. All that we believe is based on that first miracle. In the beginning, God created the heaven, and if you believe that one miracle, every other miracle, miracle is possible. Doubt that, and you're on the, re- the, the into the realm of skepticism. And doubt the balance of your life, but so creation is crucial. Of course, I believe in creation. I do not believe any person is saved that believe in evolution. Do not believe that is possible because when you surrender that fundamental doctrine, you've actually surrendered what God has declared again and again. Not in one book or two books, but throughout the entire Bible, God said, "I created. I created." Now we've made evolution. The, crea- the, the creator. And to my mind, that is idolatry. That's taking science and elevated to the level that goes contrary to Scripture. So, of course, I believe in creation. You were talking about the complexities of life, Pastor, and I was reading an article today about uh, there's some cicadas in the state, some that come out every 13 years. Uh, they lay their eggs, and 13 years later, some that come out every seven years. And there were... Uh, evolutionists who were trying to explain why this came about and the whole basis was that they didn't want to all come out at the same time because it might be too much of a food source for a sustained uh, enemy to the cicada so they decided to stagger themselves seven years and uh, 13 years it just sounded very very comical and I thought do they even realize how comical they sound we are out of time join us next week Lord willing we will pick up with the word of faith movement and the doctrines that they believe thank you for joining us for today's program we pray that the Holy Spirit uses the truths shared from God's word to strengthen your faith now you've heard it That's truth.
Thanks for listening. Remember, you can hear more answers to life's questions on That's Truth, Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. on the Caribbean Radio Lighthouse. If you're in Antigua, you can listen at 92.3 MHz FM. If you're in the Caribbean, you can listen at 1160 kilohertz AM or listen online at www.radiolighthouse.org from anywhere in the world. Or you can subscribe to this podcast. Looking forward to having you join us next time.